Well, good day, everyone. Welcome to the CX Central podcast. My name is Justin Tippett, and today's special guest, we're going to be talking to none other than the wonderful Ted Gannon, the CEO of Panviva. Welcome, Ted. Pleased to be here. Well, oh, mate, it's uh, great to finally uh, catch up again. We've known each other for a while, so I'm looking forward to sharing uh, the Panviva journey with people and talking about one knowledge management because I think there's still probably a misunderstanding for a lot of people around what knowledge management is and more importantly what it can do for their business. But we also want to talk about just the the story of Panviva because I know you're sort of going rapid guns into the overseas market, and I think there's a lot of interest for people understanding just how you did that and what some of the challenges are, your thought processes, etc. So. Uh, I thought we'd start off on, uh, for those that are going, what the hell is that knowledge management thing you just referred to? In, in your words, Ted, how would you explain a knowledge management system or a knowledge management platform? Well, look, our approach, Justin, has always been to provide a way to get just the information that people need to be able to do their jobs to them at the moment they need to do something. So they're doing that in a way that means they don't have to stop and go and look somewhere else to be able to find the information, but having it come to them within the workflow itself so that they can see it if they're acting on and, and can act on it instantly. Because in a lot of cases, um, and this is true in the contact centre, the agent is doing an incredibly difficult task. They're probably having a difficult conversation with a customer or a potential customer or a leaving customer. Yep. Uh, they're probably trying to work out what to say next so that they can be compliant. They're probably doing something in the CRM or some other system all at once. Yep. And that's an incredibly difficult com um, com uh, combination of things to be doing. Um, and so the more that you can bring the information that they need to access into that work environment and that work situation, the less need there is for putting the customer on hold, for having gaps in the conversation where the agent has to go off and look for information to be able to respond. So we're, our view of, of knowledge management has been to ensure a natural conversation can flow so the agent can sound like they are an expert and know what they're doing, even if they're doing this for the first time. The sort of flip side of that is that, well, if you can achieve that, then you can reduce things like training time, time to competence, um, training time off the phones or away from the job for update training and so forth because you're able to deliver at the moment of need. So our, our focus has always been deliver at the moment of need and deliver it in a way that doesn't get in the way of the other things I need to do while I'm accessing this information. Yep. It makes sense. I guess one, one of the things we're seeing collectively over the world is that it's more complex inquiries that are coming into, in particular, the contact centre environment because all the simple stuff's now been automated, right? We've got apps that will give us our account balances or, you know, tell us the basic information. So when someone actually calls and wants to speak to a real human being, you're right, they are very complex. And so that grapple for information, how do I manage that customer, is where these knowledge management systems kick in, right? Yeah, well, look, you've, you've, you've touched on a really interesting point of evolution for our view of knowledge management, actually, in that um, initially we were focused on um, supporting the, the, the agent because yep. the interactions were happening by voice. Um, increasingly, organisations are giving their customers the opportunity to engage on digital channels. Yep. And so it's only the more complex um, co uh, 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 queries that have not been able to be solved in the digital channel that are coming through the agent. Now, what's critical is, we believe is critical, is that what the customer gets through the digital channel should be consistent with what the agent will say 
because it's coming from the same place. Yep. So we have this idea of a single source of truth where the knowledge that you invested all this time in to create to support the agent contains the snippets that you need to send to the bot if the customer is self-serving. And so it's really critical that you've got one place to manage the content that can be delivered to any endpoint and in a format that's appropriate for the channel that that endpoint is communicating over. So you know, an Alexa-enabled um, channel is different than uh, a search on the website, and yet the answer needs to be fundamentally the same, and so should come from the, the same knowledge management system. So Panviva's approach to this is a single source of truth and the ability to curate the knowledge, we call it curation, curate the knowledge you have for the agent so that you can send snippets of it at the appropriate time to any digital channel. Yeah, I love that um, term, yeah, single source of truth, because, you know, you go into so many organisations and there is just literally bits of information in system A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and, and right through to Z and probably into double digits, right? And agents are supposed to just try and somehow respond to that or you're trying to channel information into a bot, as you said, and so that single source of truth eliminates the, the scenarios where you get people that have, you know, say, oh, well, I was just on your website and it said this, but you've just told me that, and it's a very messy situation. So you avoid all that altogether right yeah look a, a gardener analyst once told me that if the bot says one thing and the agent says the other the customer will believe the bot <laughs> it's very true um now so in real terms i know a lot of people that are a little bit confused around perhaps the very definition of knowledge management systems because they'll say well you know what justin we've actually got a knowledge management system we we use excel and we've got different tabs that give us information or no we use sharepoint or we've got microsoft word or we've got a folder on the desk everyone's got a different interpretate interpretation sorry of, of what a knowledge management system is how do you sort of respond to that when they say they've got one? Because I know they're very different, but how would you respond at a Pam Viva level? Uh, it's, in the, most of those cases, they've got a place to store data, yep. which is very different than knowledge. Um, knowledge is content in context. If you can't deliver it at the right moment or the right version of it at that moment, in other words, if the knowledge that can't be delivered in the appropriate context or appropriate for the context, then it's not knowledge management. Context goes to, um, you know, who is it that's reviewing, requesting it, and is there a different version available for them, you know, a customer versus an employee or a super user versus a, a brand new user. So, you know, that's part of context. Um, unless there's input from the people who are consuming the knowledge, then it's not really a knowledge management system. There needs to be a round trip opportunity where people who are consuming can easily contribute their knowledge or their feedback and it could be both. It could be feedback to say, well, this wasn't really accurate, or it could just be the things that I've found are really helpful to me when I'm having this sort of conversation with the customer. That's that's context. Yep. That's knowledge that should be available in the system to be used to com you know, communicate to all the other end users that might benefit from it. So there's a whole lot of elements of, of knowledge management that go way beyond an Excel spreadsheet or a PDF or a whole lot of files in, in, in SharePoint. And at the end of the day, if you're a regulated industry, you've got to be able to report on everything that has just happened. Yep. Who looked at what, how many times things were looked at, who hasn't looked at something that's critical, and so on and so forth. So it's got to have analytics and reporting yep. or it's not a system. Yep. And I think you touched on it, the, the compliance is now a big driver as well, isn't it? Because you can actually see who's looked at what information, uh, et cetera, and be able to report on that. 
Yeah, so, so most of our customers, and we tend to focus where um, it's the industries that, that have complex requirements and have regulatory oversight. And so in those, you know, banks and health insurance, hospitals and so forth, even utilities, um, uh, all of those are regulated. And so you have to be able to tell um, who's looked at what, what version they looked at, when they looked at it, if they didn't look at it. And that that's, could be the cause of a breach or of a complaint. So all of those things are critical for a knowledge management system in those sorts of industries. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the, the just the crystal clear example for me is, is when you said it, it's in context. I think that's the really important bit because you could type in, you know, for example, uh, you know, complaint resolution guide or compensation limits or something like that. And typically what will happen if it's just storing data, the agent might be presented with a, a 20 page document on their screen and you literally see them at if you're listening to the podcast, but they're right up at their screen, right? They're staring, trying to you know, scroll through these 20 pages to find the bit that's relevant. Whereas a knowledge yeah. management platform goes, just here's the bit you need to know, right? So Yeah, and what happens then is that they're not listening to the conversation. And so right, they yeah. might find an, an answer, but it may not be the right answer because they missed the cue because yep. they were so busy searching. So breaking it down into consumable chunks and, and presenting it in a way that fits the work environment is really critical you know the, the, the otherwise it is just data yep. uh, and data is not very helpful if you're in a really pressured contact center kind of conversation yeah so you know the, the snapshot for the benefits of, of knowledge management systems as you said you're going to have a, a, a better conversation with your customers because you can focus on the conversation rather than looking through all this data uh, you're also typically going to get quicker conversations right because you can get to the information quicker that's good for both you as a business uh, and also for the customer who doesn't want to be on, on the phone forever uh, reduced induction time because you just don't have to train them to the depth that you would normally do because the information's already there in that knowledge management system so the return on investment for a knowledge management platform is you know exceptional i don't know if you got numbers around that just out of interest i know yeah, question yeah. without notice but yeah it, um, it is easy measurable easily measure measured um because contact centers tend to be managing those things one one metric that contact centers typically don't measure is average silence time we call that you know the time that the agent was madly looking for the answer <laughs> yep, scrambling and, uh, yep <laughs> Um, so we, we've seen things like escalations to a second level or to a team leader um, uh, re reduce dramatically um, the training time to get someone onto the de to the desk is, is reduced because they don't need to know everything now. If yeah. they can find it easily and in context, they don't have to commit it to memory. And in our sort of typical um, target customer, you actually don't want people remembering things because you know they're going to change tomorrow and, and remembering stuff that's now out of date before you've even got to use it is, is a waste of energy. Yep. Um, so so the, the, you know, time to competence, training time, uh, first call resolution rates, all sort of feed dire are fed directly by access to the knowledge that people need to be able to do the job compliantly and quickly. Yeah. Now, if, if you aren't sold on getting a knowledge management platform already by hearing that, then something's wrong because there's about 50% latest industry survey that I saw anyway said that about 50% of contact centres in Australia, at least, um, do have a knowledge management system um, and the other half need to get their ass moving and get onto it. But Ted, it's not just contact centres anymore either, is it? Because this is applicable right across a business, essentially anywhere where there's knowledge required. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, m probably about half of our end users across the world are in a middle or back office function, not a contact, not a front office function. Yeah. And so that could be people in telcos who are doing connections 
It could be people doing billing inquiries in the utility. Um, we've even got hospitals in the in in, in the US where it, it's nurses in in operating theatres who are working, getting knowledge about how to lay out the tray for this particular surgeon because they right. need the person yep. on the left because they're left-handed. So um, knowledge is knowledge, and it, it it's required in all sorts of places, and um, and that's certainly been our experience. The other thing is that. Um, where there's an end-to-end -end process, for instance, say in a bank where a customer is applying for a credit card or a mortgage, that might start in the branch. There'll then be conversations in the contact centre. Then it'll go into the back office for the mortgage pro application to be processed. Mm. Then it'll be late, and so someone in, in the back office will need to speak to the customer, not not someone in the contact centre or a branch. So an end-to-end -end process means that all of those people need to have a, access yep. to a knowledge that describes their whole job and their bit of it. So we often see that, that our software gets picked up initially perhaps in the contact centre, but very quickly finds its way into other functions and often back office functions. Yep. Uh, we're going to get into the story of uh, Panviva and taking it to the world shortly, but the, the last couple of things I want to talk about on knowledge management, uh, for those, again, that are probably don't know much about it, is uh, I think you hear a listening go, wow, this sounds fantastic, but, geez, it's going to cost me a bomb. I don't think our business can afford it. But uh, to be honest, this is one of the most affordable bits of tech you're ever going to get. It's cloud-based, so you don't need to go and purchase any expensive infrastructure, and it's essentially just a per-user-per-month kind of a model. Yeah, yeah. And look, the, 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 one of the costs to consider is that well, without content, it actually doesn't do anything. Yeah. But look, most organisations are doing this one way or another already. Mm. Maybe not as well as they could do or should do. Uh, and so yes, you've got to you've got to uh, create content and maintain content, but you do anyway. And if you're in a regulated industry, you absolutely must. I mean, I, I like to say to people, if you want to lose weight, you've got to go on a diet. You know. Uh, so if you want to have knowledge available to people, you've got to create the knowledge yep. uh, and you've got to have a way to deliver it. Yeah. Uh, ballpark figures, and, and again, we don't hold you accountable to any of this, I promise, Ted, but like, are we talking 10 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month, $1,000 a month per agent? What's, what's a rough ballpark that you'd yeah, expect to pay? It's not 50, it's less than 50. Right, there you go. Um, that's all you need to say. It's less than 50. So that's what we're talking about. It, you know, if you can go, I can reduce average handle time, increase first call resolution, increase compliance, and so on. There's a long list of benefits for less than $50 per agent per month. As I said, it is very affordable technology. So if that's something if we've wet your appetite a little bit and you're interested in learning more about knowledge management platforms you'll find uh, that we've got a number of articles on cxcentral.com.au and you can also find the providers of knowledge management uh, platforms including panviva uh, on our directory so you just need to go to cxdirectory.com.au and under knowledge management you'll see a list of all the providers there um Ted, I want to talk about Panviva um, and talk about the history. So is this something that just started in uh, someone's bedroom one day working some code on a computer and all of a sudden we're taking on the world? I'd love to go right back to the start and how it all came about. Yeah, it, 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 no, that's not, not, not the way. <laughs> no? Okay, um, damn it. <laughs> and in fact, um, we are a software company today, but we didn't start with any intentions of being a software company. Right. So if you roll back to the, the, the very start, it was in 1996, um, uh, a couple of us came together not to develop software at all, but to effectively put into practice what we'd each done in our former careers, which had been involved in the book publishing industry. So we, we figured that there were things about how you go about publishing, in my case, a textbook that would help for all the organisations that were 
um, rushing towards the millennium and putting in a new ERP system and a new CRM. You know, if, if, if we could apply those commercial principles of communicating knowledge to people in a way that was effective for their learning, then we could add value to those projects. So that we started, therefore, as a services company, um, and, and, and it was only um, a few years later that we saw the opportunity to use the web technologies to deliver the knowledge, not in a training course and in a manual, but online that we started to develop the uh, software and and over over time we've we've sort of flipped to being fully a software company um, and we now engage um, partners to deliver the services if required for creating and managing content. But but our, our perspective on this has always been that of a content development perspective. Yeah. Um, you know how do you make that process really simple so that someone in the organisation can take full responsibility for creating and maintaining and keeping up to date the knowledge that people need to have access to. Yeah, fantastic. So you've got this, um, uh, you know, publishing background, you've created this product, you've gone, hang on a minute, this, this could be something here, there might be a need for this that's going to help people. Is that something you go, you know what, let's just, uh, you know, try and get a few clients on board, you know, here and improve, prove ourselves and then take it to the world? Or do you go in a different direction? Do you run your own call centre? How does it get from that sort of embryonic stage to sort of growing into what is, you know, today a full-blown product? Well, look, um, about 60% of our revenues today are generated outside of Australia. So right. we started pretty much from the outset looking globally. Um, probably the reason for that is that my 20 years or so in book publishing, I'd always worked for US companies. Okay. Uh, and so I'd spent a lot of time in the US. And then as I was, you know, went up in the organisation, I would be party to and involved in management team meetings where you're dealing with your all your colleagues in all of the other countries and so what i learned was that you know you can't actually publish a book unless you you can't afford to publish a book unless you can sell it everywhere sure yep. and, and 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 you know language is important and so cultures are important so we've pretty much from the outset started looking at the global opportunity for panviva uh, rather than focusing in exclusively on the domestic market, which is easy, mm. um, uh, easier, nothing's easy, but it's easier. <laughs> but we, we took a global view pretty much from the outset. So in the first two or three years, we had major customers like Hewlett-Packard and, and Caterpillar, and we were part of global deployments um, of our software, even though we were only a couple of years into it. Yep. So, you know, that's been the approach from the outset, that, and, and, and that's forced some disciplines to... Um, in, into the way that we uh, that we develop the software to ensure that it's actually appropriate and effective for those global markets. Uh, Ted, I love how you just say it so nonchalantly. Uh, you know, oh yeah, we just um, you know got into Hewlett Packard and, and like these are big companies. How do you go yeah. from just a small, you know, effectively you know, software company that you were becoming to to get even getting a meeting with those guys, let alone actually them getting in product? Sheer luck. Um, uh, you know, uh, someone that's working for you that used to work for Hewlett Packard, someone that saw you, you know, at a conference that was involved in doing a, a, a running a, a global deployment project. So we won't call that luck. We'll call that great networking, Ted. Look, um, I think it was Woody Owen that said, you know, seventy percent of um, success is just turning up, and 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 uh, you know that's pretty much it. But you've got to take, you've got to be looking for those opportunities, or else you, you pass them by. If you're not looking for them, you would say that's too hard. You know, I can't get on a plane tomorrow and I can't keep going back. It's a lot of money, you know, when you're a small company. So it takes quite a bit of steely resolve to yep. say we're going to keep spending the money 
and look, in our time, we've run out of money uh, on a couple of occasions you know, and, and had to pull back and reassess how we were going about things. It's a tough, tough uh, journey. But in the end, if you can stick at it and succeed at it, 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 it just the obvious thing is it just broadens your potential so much that uh, it's it's worth it in the, in the end if you can succeed at it. Yeah, obviously you said you had some 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 background with with US. So I'm guessing US was sort of your first point of call to target. Is that right? Yeah. So look, the degree of difficulty is high enough without picking cultures that are different or languages, countries where the language differences mean that you've got to do things in the software. Yep. So the US is both big but and, and it was familiar, but it's also very similar. Yep. So we were able to say, look, what goes on in, in, in for knowledge management or the requirements in Australia are really identical to the, the same sort of cir- circumstances in the US. Language is pretty much the same. You know, the few differences in spelling are, are, are irrelevant. And so, um, you know, it's a safe market for us to be able to expect that we can sell the software that we develop in Australia, mm. but to customers, similar customers in the US. So so it was an obvious thing. You know, we could, you know, Asia is a really obvious place to go because it's nearby, but languages, cultures, they're quite different. And, mm. and uh, so we took the easy path. And, and the, the one... Uh, I was familiar with. Yeah. Um, one thing to say, great, I've got some some experience with the US. The other thing is actually making a difference and building a business there. Do you, do you hire someone local or are you on a plane every five minutes or do you just try and do it all remotely? I mean, obviously, this is pre-COVID, I should say. So um, you know, how, how did you start that? Because you said you would have had to throw a bit of money at it to get some traction, I would have thought. Uh, we started it probably half a dozen times and failed. Um, and uh, what I did learn was that, um, doing it remotely, uh, especially for the US, does not work. Mm-hmm. There was a time when an Australian accent was kind of cute and yep. people liked to hear it, yep. um, but that didn't mean they'd buy from you. Sure. Uh, and um, the, you pretty quickly get to the point that if you don't look, smell and sound like a US company, it's very hard to close a sale. Mm. And the bigger the, the prospect, the more difficult it is for a small foreign company to succeed. So we, we just about lost our shirts during the GFC because we were trying to sell to banks yep. and there was no way that was going to happen. So we, we really just picked one industry and then one segment within it and focused ourselves on that. And we picked health insurance um, because we, we had customers in health insurance in the UK and Australia. And we were just lucky. You know, Obama was elected. The Affordable Care Act came in. It completely turned the health insurance industry in the US on its head. The contact centre became absolutely fundamental to, to, to their survival. And we were turning up with experience in health insurance contact centres and knowledge management to enable them. So we, we, we started focusing just on the small companies and then use that as, have used that as a springboard to be able to focus on the bigger health insurers now. Banks are quite similar to health insurers um, and so on and so forth. Yep. So we've taken a stepwise. We, we learned that you you can't just uh, uh, expect to succeed in the US with what you've succeeded in in Australia. The market is just too big. There are too many competitors. There's too much noise. So you've got to be really targeted. Yeah, I love that, and and the fact that you know, as you said, you know, you pretty much tried six times and, and failed, and it, it is really a story of perseverance. And I think the expectation that you can just go over and you know, if someone's going, "Hey, you got an Aussie accent, mate, let's do business," is just so far removed from reality. It's not funny, isn't it? So, um, so so you're in the US now. Have you got a, a permanent team over there now, Ted? Or? Yeah, we do. Yeah. 
So your, your, your other question was about people and we, as a small company trying to um, hire from overseas, um, a couple of things happen. You don't get very good people that way and if you don't have good people, you don't get very far. So it wasn't until we put some serious um, investment into management of the sales and marketing function into the US that we were able to attract the sort of people that you need to have on board to be successful. So that was our journey, we, you know, hiring remotely and having people work out of their homes meant we didn't get the quality of person that was necessary to do this really difficult thing you know, of, of breaking into a, a global market or an international market. So we now have a, a, a team of 15 or so people in the US, um, mostly focused on sales and marketing and, and delivery. Yep. Um, we're starting now to also have support staff, technical support staff located in the US, just to be, uh, to, uh, mainly so that they're, well, two main reasons. One is time zone coverage. Yep. Uh, but the other is, is, is accent. It, it, you know, when things are going wrong, people like to hear someone who sounds like them. And so we, we found that it, 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 it's, um, it's, it's beneficial to have some of our technical support staff in, in the US as well. Yep. It wouldn't be a conversation in 2021 if I didn't ask you about the impact of COVID on your business? Uh, uh, I'm pleased to say that it's mostly been, well, almost embarrassed to say it's mostly been positive. Yep. Um, uh, we did, like everyone else, um, uh, not quite panicked, but we cut every expense we could at the beginning of the pandemic and then watched the sales pipeline slow down. You know, decisions were not cancelled, but certainly deferred because no one knew what was going to happen. Mm. But um, we've been um, fortunate in that um, we now have across the US, I think eight individual state governments using our software in their contact centres for either contact tracing or vaccine distribution. Yep. And so we've seen that, that unexpected business come yeah, from yep. From the pandemic, uh, and uh, and that's fantastic. I mean, if you you know consider that a state in the US that needs to urgently implement contact tracing, they've never done it before. They don't have any people to do it. They don't know how to do it, and the pandemic is raging, and it's got to be up and running in a week. That puts a lot of pressure on a knowledge management system and every system actually. So we've had. Now, um, multiple states where we've been able to have this um, contact centre capability stood up, including our software as the knowledge management piece, um, within a week um, uh, to support the very difficult challenge of contact tracing calls, which is that's a very difficult contact centre environment. Absolutely. Um, so you, you've mentioned uh, obviously the, the US. You've just touched on the UK before. Um, what what's next? Are you sort of planning on global dominance? Are you tackling the Asian market now, or that you sort of got a bit no, more of a no, footing? Not at the moment. Not not yet. There is so much more for us to achieve in in the US, and then there are adjacent markets like Canada um, that. That we, which is almost the same, but it's different. It's a bit like Australia and New Zealand. Yep. Um, but New Zealand is, is, you know, from the perspective of Australia, we have a, a pretty solid foothold in the UK. And they're the, they're the sort of obvious markets. Uh, going back to what I said earlier, you know, cultures are really similar, languages and so and practices are, are really similar. So they're, they're really obvious places for us to expand into. And so it's about leveraging what we've already got rather than taking another big bet on, you know, into Europe where we've got you know, 
half a dozen languages, that, uh, important languages that we'd need to deal with. Yeah, uh, makes sense. Um, and, and I guess one of the challenges uh, for you, one is obviously just the sales and marketing funnel. You've got to keep the leads coming and, and keep the clients coming and growing the existing accounts that you've got. Um, but the other one is the product itself. And we touched on it very earlier in the piece that, you know, the world's changing very quickly around how consumers or customers want information and whether that's through, you know, still ringing the call centre or whether it is the bot or going to a website or getting SMSs and videos and all, you know, TikTok and all these new sorts of changes. Channels. How do you sort of keep yourself across what's happening? I assume you've obviously got a team that work on this, but it, it's such a fast-moving pace, and and you're in that space. How do you stay abreast? Well, look, yeah. look the customers tell you, um, for one thing. Um, although um, we've had to look ahead of where, where many of our customers are today, um, in particular in relation to digital transformation initiatives, often that's somebody else in the organisation that is responsible for it, mm. and so that's mm. not maybe not the contact centre, maybe not our natural um, uh, customer in the organisation. Yep. So we have a very um, very um, significant focus on digital transformation and exploiting digital channels um, to be able to do what I was referring to before of curating the knowledge so that bits of it, snippets of it, what we, we call them knowledge nuggets, can be sent to any digital channel. One thing that we have seen through the pandemic is, that, and I think everyone has seen this, is a, a, a shift to working from home, mm. and that's really yeah. changed some of the dynamics of supporting agents. So we've been, um, uh, we were already focusing on integration with things like Microsoft Teams, and we've released a, a, a Teams integration that delivers knowledge from Panviva to a Teams bot, which we call Nugget. And we found that... Um, that has found a really ready um, market amongst contact centres where where agents have suddenly had to shift to working from home, yep. uh, because Teams has become the way they've integrated with you know team leads and and, and support desks and so forth. But that's created a, a, a in many cases a huge backlog of, of queries that the team leaders now have to answer in Teams. So the idea of a bot that can take those simple queries from agents. That needs support is quite similar to you know a, a bot on the web, on the website. Yep. Um, and, and so we you know we, we're looking at those sorts of trends all the time and ensuring that our product is set up to be able to serve all of these digital channels really effectively. Yep. You, you've t- sort of touched on something that I guess is more broader than just a Panviva question, but you know who, who drives these sorts of initiatives and i guess it's part of your sales and marketing funnel because it's obviously as you said it's much bigger than just the contact center is it driven by we're now talking about roles that are cx roles so you know we've got the you know the customer experience executive level kind of roles is is that sort of the guys we're targeting is it targeting or is it the it guys or are you just going right at the top and saying hey mr ceo i can transform your business where, where is it tick all of the above or how do you go well, about look, it? We, we try all of the above I'm, yep. i mean getting to the very senior level is 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 really challenging and and um sometimes you just can't in fact most of the time you just can't so you've got to find other other channels in but certainly um just the customer experience you know it, it was satis- sufficient to focus on customer experience or operations uh, now you know the bot may be developed by um a digital transformation team that mm. may ultimately report up to um the cio yep. or into into it so we are finding that we need to broaden 
the sort of personas that our marketing is focused on. Um, we had a, a webinar just yesterday on um, on the use of Power Apps and the Power Platform, the Microsoft Power Platform, to automate things. Now, at least half of the people who attended that were not from a traditional customer experience um, role in the, in the organisations that attended. Yep. So, you know, we, we're certainly having to um, broaden the messaging and broaden the targets to include the people that are, are drawn into the digital transformation initiatives. Yeah. That's where knowledge needs to get to. Yep, that makes sense. Well, geez, it's been a fascinating uh, insight, uh, Ted. One in just in terms of knowledge management, as I said I, right at the start, I think it's something that, uh, you know, if you don't have it in your business, you should seriously be looking at it. Uh, and, and to be honest, I, I mean, I'm agnostic. There's, there's lots of platforms out there, but it is no question that that technology is something that's great for your business. And uh, as I said, if you're looking at uh, learning more, you can just go to the CX Central uh, website. So it's cxcentral.com.au. We've got lots of articles and you can also find a list of all the providers uh, that, that service or provide knowledge management platforms. Ted, uh, just want to say thank you. I know you're a busy guy. You're crossing multiple time zones. And I know uh, in previous times when I've uh, been talking on the phone, you're normally on a plane and something. So you must be going a bit stir crazy. You're not being able to travel as much as you normally do, or are you I'm loving like it? it. I'm loving it. <laughs> Working from home is great. Uh, fantastic. All right. Well, mate, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for everyone uh, for listening. And uh, we look forward to catching you again on another CX Central podcast in the not too distant future. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Justin. Bye bye.